0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, guys, and I'm glad that you're here today. It's getting cold out, and maybe baby, it's cold outside. I'm glad we're inside. But hey, again, if you're, uh, if you're new to Blaze Church, before you leave, please stop by our Welcome Home area in the back. We truly would love to connect with you and, uh, and just say thanks for being our guest today. Uh, it's a great Sunday, and uh, I'm glad to see so many of you guys in this space. want you to know that we are praying with you. Today starts 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, just recognize, I mean, this season and getting together and and sickness and just different challenges that you might be facing. Keep my family in your prayers. Uh, This week we experienced a loss in our family. Uh, Someone just passed away. And so uh, we're kind of just walking through this season as well. But how many are just thankful that we're able to gather here in this space and worship our God together? I'm just so grateful for that. I truly look forward to Sunday's. And, uh, and I'm grateful that you're here. So, the series that we're hitting this month is called All In, and it's really stemming from this question that I'm challenging you with, and I'm being challenged with as well. And here's what it is What if you went all in with Jesus? Like, what if you went all in with Him? Meaning, every part of who you are. You said I'm going to surrender. That's the word we see. I just want to surrender it all to the Lord. Maybe today there's no part of you that And how awesome is that that you're here this morning and you're you're hearing worship songs about God's goodness and we're going to read scripture and I want you to know that you are invited to surrender your life to Jesus, which means you declare with your mouth, believe in your heart, I'm a sinner, I need saving. Jesus, I'm yours. Be the Lord of my life, be my savior. And that's an invitation for every person. Maybe for you, you're following Jesus. But if you're really honest, you would say there's parts of me that I have yet to fully surrender, to go all in with. And hey, that's probably all of us. Anyone here want to lie and say you've 100% got this Christian thing figured out? Right? We're, there's areas in our lives. In fact, that's why I love 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know over the next three weeks what the Holy Spirit's going to do in my heart as I'm intentionally disconnecting from the world through fasting and connecting to God through prayer, the Holy Spirit's going to show me, hey, Keith, there's still areas of your life that you have yet to surrender. There's parts of me that I still want to control. I still want to be in charge of. So what if we went all in? What would it look like to go all in with Jesus? And what we're doing over these five Sundays is we're going to discover five truths that I believe define the life of someone who goes all in with Jesus Now, these aren't found in Scripture the way I've worded them, but we believe in the authority of Scripture and God's Word, and we're going to see how they are true in God's Word. So here's the five truths. They're going to be on the screen. And as we did last week, I'm going to invite you to say these with me. So let's say it together. Because I've gone all in with Jesus, I pray first, scroll for truth, worship courageously, truly love people, and have hope. Awesome. Let's say it one more time, nice and loud. Because I've gone all in with Jesus, I pray first, scroll for truth, worship courageously, truly love people, and have hope. So last week we learned that our first response isn't worry first, but it's pray first. And that's a blessing, It's not a burden to pray first. It is a blessing that we get to connect with our God. Today, we're going to learn our second truth, which is we scroll for truth. Say that with me. Scroll for truth. So here's the question that will shape our time together. Where do you go to for truth? What are the sources that you go to for truth? Now, before I suggest some common sources or places that we might go to for truth, I want to begin by just defining that last word there that's in yellow, truth. Because honestly, where we are as a people, that word is offensive. That that word can start like a food fight at Thanksgiving, somebody. Like, you want to talk to me about your truth? I'll talk to you about my truth. See, where we are as a people is truth has moved away from being objective, which means it's true for all, and it's become subjective, which means the truth that you hold to may not be the truth that the person even sitting next to you holds to. So I want to broaden the definition in the word a little bit. Where do you go to for identity? Where do you go to for your reason to live? Like, like, what are the sources? Who are the people that you check in with to say, affirm my worth, give me my value, set a course for my week? Where do you go to for information, for discovery, to learn new things? See, we all have different sources and places. And as I get ready to suggest a few, I want to say on the front end, It's okay if it's different for us in this space. We're going to find a common source of truth as we progress. But let's start with a very common one, one that can cause the left and the right to fight. Maybe you go to news or political parties or alignment of a certain belief system as it relates to your rights or what you live and how you see things. Maybe you go to sources like those places for Information about current events, about hot topics, about whatever it is. You you just have your news station. Like you've got your radio set, and if someone gets in the car that leans a little different and they dare touch the knob, well, you unlock the door and kick them out, somebody, in the name of Jesus. But but really, like you've probably got those places where you say, This is where I find my truth, this is where I find my information, I only trust this station, I only trust this this party, whatever that might be. Here's what I want to suggest to you without getting political or causing any sorts of fight because that's not my place at all. I would caution you with this verse of Scripture, Philippians 3.20. But we are, and say these three words with me, citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Isn't that hope-filled? It's giving us our identity now, and it's giving us the longing we have. See, who I am first is not an American. I know I don't look it, but I'm 50% Italian. It's not Italian. Who I am first is a citizen of heaven. I'm a new creation, and I'm an adopted child of God. And so I would just suggest to you that if you are finding your identity, your purpose, Everything you need to define you, we might use the word truth, from a certain news outlet or political leaning, just remember this, if you've gone all in with Jesus, your first and primary identity is citizen of heaven. It's not to say don't turn on the news or radio, I'm not going to speak into that for you this morning, but I would just caution you to say, remember you are first a citizen of heaven, and that's a blessing, isn't it? That's what it means to be all in with Jesus. So maybe for you, news is not the outlets you go to for truth. Maybe like most of humanity, the places we go to for truth, identity, reason is social media, right? That we, we scroll through social media and we look for information. We see how others are living. We compare ourselves to what they're doing and what they have. And so many of us can scroll and scroll endlessly just hoping for a good dopamine hit, If I could just get a good, uh, and dopamine is the chemical released in our bodies when we get something good. So they liked my post, or they shared an article that affirms my beliefs. I feel good now, and maybe for you, we might find ourselves scrolling there. Uh, As I was considering and praying about this morning's message and thinking about how as people who are all in, we scroll for truth, I really was asking the Holy Spirit, what's like the the place you want to take us this weekend? Like, what do we, what do we speak on? What do we dissect in your word, God? What's, what's like the caution that you have for us this morning? And it surprised me, his answer, because it wasn't truthfully on my radar as I was getting ready for this weekend. And as I was praying this, I was listening to Deuteronomy. Um, why? Because if I try to read it, I'll fall asleep, okay? Don't judge me, Okay. Uh, the first five books, just, they're great for sleep. And, and so I was listening to it in the gym, and, and as I'm praying this, and actually it was numbers, as I'm praying this, Lord, where are you taking us? The story of Balaam, if you're familiar with it, where this donkey starts talking, it's, it's just a crazy story, comes up, but there was this verse that stood out to me where God was so angry because there was a use of, of witchcraft and sorcery and astrology, And I really sensed in my heart the Holy Spirit saying this is what we need to talk about. And so this morning as we consider sources of truth, we're not going to camp out on news or social media. That's kind of for you to figure out and how you create boundaries and limits. But I do want to show you very clearly what Scripture has to say about astrology, mediums, psychics, tarot cards, palm reading, things of that nature. And, And maybe we need just a working definition. So what is astrology? Astrology is a type of divination that involves the forecasting of earthly and human events through the observation and interpretation of the fixed stars, the sun, the moon, and the planets. So that's a very um, heavy definition, lofty definition of what you and I might just call horoscopes. We might just say, oh, yeah, like, no big deal. Like, people have come up to me before, and they'll ask me when I'm born, and they'll tell me what I am, and I'll be like, I'm, I don't know. Where, where are you, what are you getting that from? Like, so horoscopes. We, we kind of just look at that and say, what's the big deal of looking into the stars and predicting something about our lives or forecasting our future or trying to get information? Or very prevalent here on Long Island especially is mediums. And what is the textbook definition of a medium? A medium is someone who is able to communicate with souls on the other side. And that quote comes from a licensed spiritual medium. So defining their job, which is great, is I speak to souls on the other side. And very popular here, obviously, we have Long Island Medium. And so this kind of is right in our face, right in our culture. And I don't know about you, but I've had friends who it's no big deal on a Friday night. What do you want to do? Half price apps or go to the local medium and find out what's going on with our lives? Like That way of just, you know, what's the big deal or tarot cards or Ouija boards or palm reading? All of this, what do we do with it? We should be asking this question because as a society, this has become more and more prevalent than ever before. I was reading some statistics this week. Astrology is more embraced now than it ever has been since the 1970s. So since the 1970s, it has been embraced way more since that time going up these past 50 years than ever before. Like we think of things like the Salem witch trials and what they did back then. It's actually been more on the rise in the past 50 years than ever. CBN, Christian Broadcast Network, actually released just last month that in 2020, I got to get my years right, one. So last year, BibleGateway.com, which maybe you've used it before. It's just a Bible search engine like Google. The word sorcery and sorceries increased by 193% last year. Just searching that word out. There's just this, there's this desire and this inkling. Pew Research did a study, and this is the one that really prompted me to say, let's talk about this today where just a recent study was done that 29% of adults in the U.S., so nearly one-third, fully believe in astrology. Like, believe that that's a great source for truth. If I want to find out about my life, about what's going on, astrology is it. Now, that might not strike you, but this next one does. Along with that study, 26% of professing Christians also said, yes, I fully believe in astrology. It's just, a place I can, I can go to scripture or I can, I can go to the one who breathed the stars or I can go to the stars themselves. Like one in four. So here's the challenge this morning that maybe isn't pressing you, but I bet it's pressing your friend circles. It's good to know about this. What do we do with things like astrology, medium, psychics? What do, and when I say we, like, what do people who go all in with Jesus do with that? Is it just whatever? It's just harmless fun? Or what does God have to say about it? And so here's what I'm not going to do this morning. I'm not going to preach. That's confusing, isn't it? Here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to read. I'm just going to read Scripture this morning. Like, what I mean by that is I'm not going to inject my opinion into the text that we read this morning. I'm simply going to let Scripture read itself And then just let us worship the Lord with a song that talks about how he sent the darkness running in Jesus' name. How many believe that's true, that our God sends darkness running? I'm just going to read. Now, here's the other thing. I'm not going to read from the Old Testament because I know you people. You're smart. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, sure, read from the Old Testament. Why don't you skip the verse about the sideburns and the bacon while you're at it? Okay, what do we do with that? So I'm not even going OT, everybody. I'm I'm going straight in New Testament. I want to show you in Scripture Just you know, I do believe fully in the Old Testament. I think there's great application we can take. But I don't want to cause any stumbling block this morning. I just want to read actually of a moment in a city that historically existed and show you what took place there as it relates to spells and witchcraft and sorcery and astrology and mediums and things that we're just going to label what Scripture calls dark and wicked. And I want to show you what took place in that city. Now, before we read, The city is called Ephesus, and this city is not just affirmed by scripture. You can read any historical, non-biblical book to know Ephesus was a real city, and it boasted of one thing, the temple of Artemis. This was Ephesus's, that's fun to say, everyone want to say that? Ephesus's, their, their claim to fame, the temple of Artemis. They were known for setting up this giant temple to this Greek goddess of of Artemis. And there was a lot of pagan worship that took place in this city. Because when you have a temple set up to a Greek god, there's going to be pagan worship. Now, the way it looked in Ephesus was very occult-like practices. Again, this isn't pulling from Scripture. This is pulling from, like, history we just know this about the city of Ephesus. There was a lot of occult practice. Here's what I read in a commentary, not in scripture. It was a center for black magic and other occult practices. The people created superstitions, incantations, and supposed magical formulas tied to sorcery in hopes of gaining wealth, happiness, success in their marriage. This was their culture in the first century of Ephesus. The Temple of Artemis is actually one of the original seven wonders of the world because of its beauty and its grandeur, which is great. However, the practices that were happening in that city were dark. They, could I say this? They were like the practices that happen here where we live on Long Island. Just searching for truth, looking up to the stars or looking around to nature and the created instead of the Creator Himself. So what happens here in Ephesus? We're going to read from Acts chapter 19, and we're going to read a few verses, because like I said, I'm reading, not preaching. So we're going to read more than we normally do on a Sunday, because I want to give you the entirety of this moment in Ephesus. Now, who we're going to see in this story is a man named Paul. Paul was someone who hated the church. He was not all in with Jesus. He made it his mission to kill Christians. And what happened to him was he met Jesus, or rather Jesus met him, and his life was forever changed, and he went all in. And he starts these missionary journeys, traveling around in the first century, around the Asia Rim and Rome and this area, and starts planting and starting churches. And this, when he gets to Ephesus, is his third missionary journey. Say three. His third missionary journey. And he spends almost three years in Ephesus. Say three. Now, what's interesting about that is this is the city where Paul spends the most time out of all of the cities he's been to and out of all of his missionary trips. I wonder, and this is my speculation, if Paul spent almost three years in Ephesus because of the stronghold of darkness that was set up there. And that he spent all that time there bringing the light of Jesus and just you wait to see what happens in Acts because it's awesome. So here's what we read. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. What do they look like? So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that have touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's awesome. Now understand this. This verse does not give no late night TV preacher a license to sell you a sweaty napkin. That's not what this is, okay? Anybody want to buy my shirt? Five bucks, five bucks. It's sweaty, I promise. Okay, that's not this. It's not this. This, and here's what I'll say, because maybe you've had some bad experiences. Don't allow your bad experiences with some jacked up people jack up the truth of God's word, Because this is a real occurrence that took place in the first century where Paul had such an anointing on his life in such a dark city where these supposed miracles were happening through powers of darkness that God says, I'm putting my anointing on this guy so much so that handkerchiefs are going to start healing people. So this is what God's doing in such a dark place. And you know what that does for me as a believer? It gives me hope to say, Jesus, as dark as the place that I live in may be, I believe that God is stronger. I believe that his light is greater. And if you could do miracles in Ephesus, you could do them in Flanders and Riverhead and Shirley and beyond. Because it's scripture. But I'm not selling any of my clothes. I need them. So the next verse says this. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, say this word with me, tried. tried. They tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. Now, how did they try? This is what they would do. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. What we have here and what we know culturally, again, I'm going to back out of scripture and come into a cultural history book, is that at this time, these spellcasters and exorcists, the way that they would try to gain control over evil spirits is they would show up and they would just start listing off any name that they had access to and hope that it would work. Artemis, Jesus, Zeus, whatever they thought would work. And so these guys see an anointing on Paul and say, well, let's just work Jesus into this thing. Let's just try invoking his name. Why? Were they looking to worship the God who they were calling on? No, they weren't all in. They were just trying themselves to boost their own name or trying to have some power and some control in a city that very much valued sorcery and occult practices. And suddenly, I mean, think about it. If they could actually show that they could cast out spirits in the name of Jesus, they could set up shop and make some money. They could get a little fame for themselves. So these guys are doing this. And here's what we read. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, that's important to note, were doing this. These are seven sons who grew up in a priest's home, which means they have an awareness of the God of the Jews and yet they were doing these same practices, going around trying to gain control over evil spirits through any medium possible. One day, verse 15 says, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Bro, here's the thing. We are desensitized from the magnitude of this moment because of something called Hollywood. Let me explain for a moment. We read that and you probably just go to the visual of any horror film you've ever seen or any depiction. Oh, a demon talking to a person, NBD, no big deal. Like I've seen that before because what we've done as a society is we've desensitized ourselves to some very dark and wicked practices. But for these guys, it wasn't entertainment. It wasn't fun. It wasn't funny. All of a sudden, they're hearing the voice of this demon come at them and saying, who are you? See, they're not playing around. But what happens is when you start playing with fire, you're going to end up getting burned. And so the next verse says, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. My goodness. We think it's no big deal to just get a Ouija board, have some fun Friday night. It's not not a big deal to just go find out what this medium has to say about my dead relatives. These guys thought it was no big deal even to try invoking the name of Jesus over the Spirit. The Spirit did not care in that moment. So you're not all in with Him. Spirit acknowledges. I know Paul. Basically, I'm not going near that guy. He's got the anointing of Jesus on his life. And I'm sure I ain't taking on Jesus, but you, you're just playing. And they go running out. Now, the question that I want to know is what about the onlookers? What about us today? Like, how does the city respond? Remember, this city is built on occult practices and witchcraft and mediums and astrology and all of these things. So, what do they do in this moment? How does the city respond when they see this is not fun? this is not a game. The power of Jesus is greater. What do we do here? Here's what it says. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and notice the next part. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in what? High honor. We're going to see three responses that the city has. And I am imploring you today, church, Followers of Christ who have gone all in with Jesus. This has got to be the three responses we have as it relates to any fruitless deed of darkness, as Paul says in Ephesians. If we know that there is something in our life that does not bring God glory and high honor, we've all got those areas. That's where we're talking about going all in. Well, here's your three-step response plan to that. And the first thing is this, worship. You start to worship the Lord. God shows you that there's something in your life that is a dark practice, that you have unforgiveness, that you have resentment, that you have pride, that you have jealousy. Maybe for you, it is this. It is astrology. It is witchcraft. The first thing we do is we say, Jesus, I worship your name. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Because there is no other name under heaven or on earth that is as great as our God. And so the city goes, Artemis, you out? Jesus, you're in. We're going to put them in high honor. We worship. Here's the next thing they do it says, Many of who became believers say the word with me, confessed. They confess what they confess, their sinful practices. See, here's what confession is confession is acknowledging what I'm doing is wrong. Here's the opposite of confession it's not a big deal, everyone does it. See, that's the difference of one who goes all in with Jesus and is a state of surrender than one who just kind of tiptoes in with Jesus and says, yeah, but he's still working on me and he understands. Yeah, he understands it's not the best for your life. He understands that he has something more for you and he's not trying to burden you. He's trying to give you a blessing, but we're not letting go of what we have because we just don't confess. And these people start saying, we have some sinful practices here. I read in one commentary, I thought was interesting. The commentator suggests that he believes literally they could have started sharing with one another secret spells. Because remember, in this town, it's all about that. And part of this culture was if you reveal the secrets to your spell, it will lose its power. So how amazing if the people gather together and they just start sharing, yeah, here's the secret spell I've been holding on to. Here's the incantation I've been putting my hope in. Here's the source I've been going to for truth. Here's everything I have, and I'm confessing it to you right now. Because when it's kept secret, this is just a side note, when you keep your secrets, when you keep your sins secret, they have way more power over you. But when you confess your sin one to another, James says, then you will be healed. When we confess with our mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, but the enemy of your soul wants you to keep it locked in. That's why I love Blaze Church, because we have a culture here. May you show up to small groups. Small groups is starting in March. You show up, and you think, man, I can't show up. I'm too jacked up. I guarantee you the person sitting next to you is just as jacked up, even your leader. We're all on a journey, and you know what we do? We don't get together and say, I got it all together. And you start sharing and they look at you like, yeah, he can't come back. We got to get him to the pastor. Let's <laughs> just get, bro, you tearing us down. Like, no, they say, oh, me too. Let's grow this small group semester and start confessing the sin and be rid of it in Jesus' name. Let's find some freedom by being connected to some other believers. So these guys in Ephesus, they got it. They confessed their sinful practices. And here's the third thing they did, and I just love this. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts, brought their books together, and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, I'm going to explain what that is. in today's wage. But first, here's our third response. We worship our God, we confess our sin, and we repent. Say that word with me. Repent. Because what repentance is, is it's a turning of your mind. It's a changing of direction. It's saying, I'm not holding on to this so I can go back to the same garbage I once went to. I'm getting rid of it. Guys, for so many years of my life, I would go to these great youth conferences. And on the way there, I would be bumping my music, got my headphones on, and it's awesome. And then they have the altar call moment, and I take the CD, and I throw it in the garbage can, and I buy a worship album, and then I go back home, and then I re-download illegally all the bad music I threw out at conference. Okay, that's not repentance, everybody. (laughs) Repentance is, Jesus, I'm all in. You've made me new, and I do not need to hold on to garbage when you have treasure for me. And so these guys say, you know what? Bring it all into the center square. Let's burn it all. And it says 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know the math off my head. I'm going to read it. The ESV study Bible says, "A a piece of silver was worth a day's wage. So at 50,000, you're talking about 137 years worth of work if you worked every day. No Sabbath for you. Seven days. Now, if we translate that into today's currency, if we do $15, U.S. dollars per hour, just as an average, or $120 per day, 50,000 pieces of silver would equal approximately $6 million in today's currency. You know want to know what that means when I read that? It means that when you have a true encounter with the living God, you recognize there is no price too high to surrender and go all in with him because you already paid the price for me on the cross. Like you already paid it all. So $6 million, take it. My life, take it. I'm going all in. And watch what happens. In this way, the next verse says, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Do you think it's a coincidence that the word of God started to spread widely and grew in power once the people burned their sinful practices? Because I don't think there's a coincidence there. I think that once the people realize what we are doing is dark and wicked and it will not be a part of our lives, suddenly the word of God could start growing in their lives. And as I was writing and preparing, I sat down and I sensed the Holy Spirit. And if you're part of Blaze Church, you know I don't even use language like this regularly, so you can know it's not me. I sense the Holy Spirit saying, give a prophetic declaration this Sunday. And here's what it is. Some of you have yet to experience the power of God widely and deeply in your life because there are sinful, dark practices that you need to confess and repent of. That's it. You're wondering why you're not experiencing the blessing and the promise of God in your life? And I'm not talking about overflowing bank account and never sneezing, everybody. Let's get past that prosperity gospel. I'm talking about a true joy that goes beyond understanding. I'm talking about peace in the midst of hardship. I'm talking about knowing my God is provider, healer, banner of victory, shepherd, the one who leads me, my rock and my redeemer. Like knowing that in my soul, some of you are not experiencing that because you are holding on to sinful, dark practices. And you've got other sources of truth that you go to. And if you will repent and confess, then I believe the word of the Lord is going to grow widely in you and grow in power in you. It's for all of us. So what do we go to? Where do we go? The people of Ephesus, they burned their books. And I read in one of the commentaries that Ephesus became known as the third most important city in the first century for the early church just behind Jerusalem and Antioch, two places where there were major churches. Number three was Ephesus. Again, a city that was built around the temple of Artemis and sorcery suddenly becomes the third most important city to the word of God expanding. And the reason why we're here 2,000 years later, that the church grew in power because they turned away from their evil practices. They burned their scrolls. And so where do we scroll for truth? Is it news? Is it social media? Is it astrology? I'd like to offer to you that the greatest place that we scroll for truth in is God's word. God's word. How often do you find yourself scrolling in God's word for truth? When you first wake up in the morning, is the first app you check Instagram, Facebook, Gmail, or is it scripture. Just think. How often do you scroll for truth in God's word? And I want to encourage you today as we start 21 days of prayer and fasting, connecting with God and disconnecting from the world, to begin a lifestyle habit of scrolling for truth in God's word. And we have made it very, very simple for you. So everybody take out your phone. I don't have mine. Okay, my phone right there. Down on the bottom floor, next to the batteries. Take out your phone if you have one. You can play along. I'm not going to take any information for you. I just want to show you how easy this is. Jackie, go ahead and put up the, the, um, the page there. Blazechurch.org Bible. You've never been to a church where the pastor's on his phone in front of everybody and everyone else is on their phone. If I hear any sort of did ding like you got a notification from Facebook, I'll find you. Okay, blazechurch.org Bible. This is a new web page we have. And right there on our website now is the one year Bible. Right in the website. So if you don't have UVersion Bible app, if you don't have apps or whatever it might be, or maybe you don't have a smartphone to so do this on a tablet or a computer, blazechurch.org slash Bible, and you're gonna see, you just click today's reading plan. Look, it's got the date. It's January 9th, everybody. Today's reading plan, and that's gonna bring you right to Church of the Highlands. Where they have loaded in the exact text. You don't have to go anywhere else. And guess what? You could read the whole Bible in one year. You might say, that's way too overwhelming. How am I gonna do that? Here's how by dedicating 5% of your screen time. Average Americans spend five hours and four minutes a day in front of a screen. Some of you are like, that's way too small. I'm like 10 plus when I got my Netflix binge going on. If you just take 5% of that, that's 15 minutes a day, and an average reader can read the Bible in a year by dedicating 15 minutes a day. Do you not think, now put your phone away, don't check Instagram, it'll still be there for you after, but you keep that web page up, so when you turn on your phone, when you get home, that's the page that pops up. Don't you think that if you started dedicating time scrolling for truth in God's word that your life would be different? that you'd have the peace of God reigning in your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus? That we would suddenly be saying, I've got his word. I'm going to his source. And so that way, when your friends say, hey, you want to come with us? We're going down port. There's a tarot card shop. You say, I don't got nothing to do with that. I know the one who made the stars themselves. Why am I going to check in with what he created? Let me show you in scripture who this God is that has a plan for you. He's got your identity all set. He's got your purpose. He's got your reason. He's got everything about your life. He made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know him? That's how we live our lives as we go all in. God's word lights our way. What did the psalmist say? Your word is a what? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet. I'm not going to stumble over some stars. I'm going to go to the God who lights my path. I'm going to let him guide and direct me. And so this morning, we're going to respond by singing a song that declares he sends the darkness running just as Jesus did in that tomb where the darkness ran and he overcame sin, death, and the grave, just as God did through Paul in Ephesus where the darkness ran and it was all burnt up, I believe that today in our lives, the darkness is gonna go running. And I'm ready to experience the light of Jesus as I go all in with him. And so I wanna pray for you right now that you would have a quiet moment with God right where you're sitting, And allow the Holy Spirit to start showing you areas that need to be confessed and repented of. What are the places? Maybe for you, this message truly hits home as it is because you just know. You've allowed some dark practices into your home. You've allowed some things that just don't carry the light of Jesus there. And you're going there hoping for some truth and some source and some joy and some identity. And God's saying, surrender, surrender. Go all in with me. Maybe it's just a mindset that you need to surrender to him. You're so worried. It's your default response. Maybe there's resentment or bitterness towards someone who's wronged you and he's saying, surrender, go all in with me. We've got areas that we can confess and surrender and repent of today. And so would you bow your heads as I lead us in a prayer? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in this moment of prayer and reverence as we're holding the name of Jesus on high, I want to first ask you, have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you actually said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and the Savior of my soul? Have you declared with your mouth and believed in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead? Because if not, Scripture says, someone pays the price for our sins. And because Jesus came to this world and died on the cross, he paid the price for you. But if you have yet to believe in him and go all in, You're paying the price yourself. Why would you do that? When God says the free gift of eternal life is Jesus. So as a church, we're gonna take a moment right now to call on the name of Jesus. And if you have yet to call on his name and to say, forgive me, save me, then today is a day of salvation for you. As a church, let us pray together. Say this with me, heavenly father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again So I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today I surrender mine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just made that decision, we want you to know that you are saved, you are born again, and we have a resource we want to give you in the back. So before you leave, stop by that table and see someone and say, hey, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. But now I'm going to pray over every single one of us. I'm going to pray first that the darkness that the enemy has, that it would flee at the name of Jesus in our lives. Flee at the name of Jesus on Long Island. Flee in the name of Jesus in our country and in our world. And that you would be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now as he's showing you. Confess this. Repent of this. Get rid of this. Some of you are going to go home and you're going to throw some things out. He's just telling you, just just get it out. Let the word of the Lord start to grow widely in our lives. And so would you join me with open hands before the Lord? I think it's fitting for a prayer like this today. Lord, here we are with open hands saying expose any part of darkness in our lives. Forgive us, God. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you that the darkness is overcome by the light of Jesus. And we pray right now for Long Island for our country, for our world, that Jesus, you would reign above every act of darkness. I pray for every person in this space today that we are sensitive to the move of your spirit as you show us what you want to reign above. And so, Jesus, we surrender it all to you this morning. We give you our highest praise. You are the Lord of our life, the Savior of our soul, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand up, church, and give the Lord some good praise right now. I mean your best praise. A hand clap of praise, a shout of praise to our God that reigns above everything.